Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. is Monday, September 6th. Welcome to Football and Grits, the Athletics SEC football podcast. Welcome to this week's show. I am your host, David Ubbin, as always, with my co-host, Andy Staples, on the Andy Staples and Friends feed. Uh, I hope you all had a better weekend than uh, Indiana's, or should I say, uh, Indonesia's equipment guy. Um, but Great, uh, googly, the moogly. first weekend of football. Who are the chefs? <laughs> the first weekend of football. Uh, Andy, I gotta say, I think I'm getting soft uh, in my old age. I was I was getting a little emotional watching uh, Wisconsin fans jump around, and props to Fox for devoting an entire segment on the broadcast to show it in full. Soundtracked, of course, by the goat uh, Gus Johnson, who's more polarizing than I thought. But when he said uh, it's been 651 days, uh, I got a little lump in my throat. This weekend was uh, just really great. You had fans, non-conference games. It felt a little more normal. I, th- I think college football. Is a sport most impacted by crowds, um, and there were some special ones. At, you know, again at, at Wisconsin, not to get on the Big Ten uh, horse, but the the smiles on the players' face on the sidelines. I've got a story coming out this week talking about hey, fans really did change the the game. Uh, you know, players waving towels. I'm, I'm verklempt thinking about it, even though Camp Randall turned into a house of pain by the end of the game. The, the last. Two years have been terrible, Andy. Um, Saturday was not terrible. So, but this is an SEC show. Let's get to some Southern Fried football. Well, it, 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 but the thing is, it was the same in the SEC venues. You know, it, it looked normal. Mm-hmm. It felt normal. Mm-hmm. It looked like now the results were pretty much what you'd expect. You know, I, I think other than LSU losing to UCLA the way they did, like losing to them, mm-hmm. I think I would have understood losing them the way losing the way they did, not so much. But everything looked. Fairly normal, I guess, with the exception of that and and Vandy, East Tennessee State. Yeah, Vandy fans take take offense to that, Andy. <laughs> uh, but no, Andy. Uh, on the subject of Southern fried football, you are not allowed to fry your banana peel before you eat it. This oh. week. When is that going down? So when should fans? Friday's episode. Ari and I pay off our bets on Friday's episode. We make our bets on Friday's episodes. So this mm-hmm. this is when I need to pay it off. I, I've got some bananas now. I. I Worry they will be too brown by then. They need to be fairly brown, but I worry they're going to be too brown by then. So I think I'm going to buy some more bananas tomorrow and have them ripening further. So we'll at least we'll have something in the right range when when we get to Thursday when we record that episode. And I'm telling you, it's I, I don't know what's going to happen. I think it'll be better for me than the mayonnaise. I don't think it's going to be entirely pleasant. But I don't think my body is just going to completely reject it. So I'm not not as scared as I was about the mayonnaise one. Well, Andy, uh, you might need some antacid or, or not, but should we start with the folks who are still partying from Saturday night, or should we start with the folks who could use some, some antacid as they turn the page to week two? Let's get happy and then get sad. All right. That sounds good. That sounds good. Number one on my list, Andy, of the folks that are still partying from Saturday night, 
The Million Dollar Man, he had a lot of hype. Uh, Bryce Young, Alabama quarterback. <clears throat> a lot of expectation. I kind of felt a little bad for him because some of it, I, I think Bryce Young's great. I think, again, I've said this on this show, I think if I had to bet that he could be the number one pick in the draft and or the Heisman winner, I think he can do both of those things. And I, I, I think it's more likely that he will than he won't at some point in his career. That's a lot. I can't help that that's how I feel, but that's a lot for a young guy. But he surpassed maybe even the highest expectations uh, against the Miami team. Secondary is not fantastic, but set a ton of records in his debut. Four touchdowns, um, 344 yards, both records for first-time starters at Alabama, their first game. He's now the betting favorite for the Heisman Trophy. The defensive front didn't get to him much, but other than Georgia, I'm not sure how many fronts are going to give him trouble with Alabama's off offensive line. Andy, do you have a bone to pick with any of his 11 incompletions, or what did you make of his <laughs> No. Debut? So I, I was watching the, the first few series and thinking, okay, is this a case where if he's playing against a better defensive line, they're going to bring him down when he's running around back there? And the more I watch, the more I think, no, he, they're not, because what he's doing is is not necessarily by design, but it's very much under control. Like you watch him running around, he's aware of where the line of scrimmage is at any given time. You know, he's not running. Field. Yeah, he's not running to be running. He's running to set up a better throw for himself, mm-hmm. and he's just so. He's so good at because I don't think it's just raw speed. Because in terms of raw speed, Haynes King or Anthony Richardson might be faster among among SEC quarterbacks. Definitely, but but he's got the the sixth sense thing going in the pocket, and he's fast. And so I, that was what I was amazed by is he had forever to throw. Not just because they were blocking well, even if somebody got through, he would kind of go find a spot, reset reevaluate everything and hit a wide open person. I mean, because, because it's hard for a defense to cover that long. And so he buys himself time. And all the other thing he does is buys his receivers time. Because if you're playing man, you just cannot cover for that long. I don't care how good you are. Yeah. And Alabama, it helps that their receivers are better than all of Miami's corners as well. That, I mean, that it does it, not hurt. There were a few times I felt bad for him. The thing is, Miami's got pros on the defense. Let's let's not pretend. Let's not act like this was Kent State. Okay, Mm -hmm. that's what made this more impressive. That defense has pros on it. That team has pros on it. That team is not a bad team. They are going to win more than they lose. Probably Mm -hmm. finish in the top third of the ACC, and they had no chance. It looks like a game against a JV team. Yeah, I'm not sure Alabama broke a sweat in that ball game. I think uh, I did feel bad for him. You know, it's hard trying to decide which wide open receiver you want to hit, and he seemed to he seemed to tackle that that decision, um, you know, pretty well. Who else is still partying in the SEC? I got Kirby Smart. Uh, he was not shy about how big this game was. You know, he he was clear everything's still in front of this Georgia team. I think this was a bigger game for Georgia than it was for Clemson, honestly. It was a bigger game for the uh, SEC I, I in general. Room. Like, it bulldozes a path yeah. open for two SEC teams to make the playoff. It doesn't mean they will, and, but the path is open. And, Andy, I'm going to whisper okay. this. Three teams? No. Not going to happen. So you're telling I realize me that this if is Alabama an SEC goes podcast, I think you're pandering to our audience, David. Listen, pander, listen, pander, pander, pander. Listen, listen. I'm just saying, okay, let's let's sketch this path out. All right, out. do it. 
Georgia goes undefeated. They lose a close game to an undefeated Alabama. Texas A&M goes 11-1, loses to Alabama. And then you have Ohio State or Oregon or basically there's only one other team left standing. I have a hard time believing that you're not going to have three teams in the SEC sitting there. I don't think it's going to (laughs) happen, but if that's the scenario, it's going to happen. (laughs) By the way, if that happened, because you realize the the whole 12-team playoff, they're going to slow that down. They've basically scrapped that, and they're going to go back to the drawing board. <laughs> that might happen tomorrow and, if that happens. <laughs> because the, they don't want to. They don't want to do what the mean old SEC wants them to do. What? <laughs> they will beg for anything that isn't this if the <laughs> SEC gets three teams in. It, I listen. A lot of things have to fall in place for that to happen, but that's the funniest possible scenario for this season. Um, but you're right; <clears throat> it does really open up the path for the SEC. In a lot of ways. Um, but, you know, again, I, I think Clemson now has basically no margin for error. And even if they go undefeated, there's a world in which they could be squeezed out because they're not going to have a lot of quality wins. We'll see what North Carolina offers. Um, North Carolina's got to get to them. You, North Carolina's yeah. already one game yeah. behind in the Coastal. So let's let's yeah. not get too too crazy about that. And and here's the other thing. Clemson, if the any situation that gets Clemson compared to Georgia blocks Clemson. So what Clemson mm-hmm. needs now is chaos everywhere else. They need Oklahoma to lose mm-hmm. at least one or maybe a couple and after the Tulane game. Okay. I can I that's yeah, not outside I was a, the I was an Oklahoma skeptic going into the season. See, I wasn't. I was I was surprised that. by that. I, I thought that was that was pretty shocking because they I will say I think Tulane's I do good, too, but but, yeah. but not, they're not that good. Like Minnesota and Ohio State, the way Minnesota fought Ohio State, I'm looking at Minnesota like, okay, you can compete with Iowa and Wisconsin. Like, you're built for that. That's mm-hmm. So I understand mm-hmm. why you were in the game with Ohio State. It doesn't make me think less mm-hmm. of Ohio State. That did make me think less of Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. But, you know, on Kirby, you know, he's jumping on the bench. He's pumping his fists. He's r- rallying the crowd after that game. He was not shying away from how big that was and how well his team. That's the game he wants. He wants football to look like that. He wants to bring that back. And I hate to break it to him. Football doesn't look like that anymore most of the time. You're not going to be able to hold Alabama to three. Well, on a scale of one to ten, Andy, what is your concern level on the Georgia offense? They're playing Clemson, who top three or four defense in the country probably but what what's your concern level not that high because you've got i'm kind of darnell washington out uh Kyrus jackson not playing offensive snaps because because of an injury uh you know the you got a freshman tight end that you're throwing to quite a bit all of these things can be dealt with the, the they're going to find playmakers uh, guys are going to fit into roles because they, they are so deep and absurdly talented on that roster. And and they'll find ways to use the backs a little more, I think. And and yes, they will – Alabama's the only other team they're going to see this season, possibly. Not on the schedule. But the only other team – and I'm talking about the playoff as well – that has a defensive line as good as Clemson's. And, and Alabama's mm. might not be as good as Clemson's, though I think it might be. Other than Georgia's own practices, right, right. I would say. I, well, Alabama with with Dale and Tim Smith and and Will Anderson, I think they're they're fairly comparable. So this is mm-hmm. this is the only time you're going to see that level of talent up front, which leads me to believe you're going to be able to run the ball a little. And and even think about it, by the fourth quarter, they were gaining yards on the ground. 
they had punched some holes in that Clemson defensive line, which is very mm-hmm. hard to do. So, no, I am not that worried about, about Georgia's offense. I, I'm worried that they need to get it, get it running at a very high capacity by the time they play whoever that you know if they make the SEC championship game and you know we don't we don't know how tough the Florida game will be right now you know Florida played FAU we didn't we didn't get to see much other than now there's a quarterback controversy that we'll talk about later yeah we'll get to that later <laughs> but <laughs> I do I feel very confident with Georgia like who's going to push them Kentucky could push them a little bit if Kentucky's offense is better but they're gonna they're gonna stress Kentucky's offense because that's Kentucky's offense is gonna work against almost everybody, but it's not gonna work against that Georgia defense because they're just not gonna be able to move those guys. Well, here's here's where I'm with you. I, I think ultimately the combination of you're playing Clemson, I think in week one, more often than not, defenses win out. Oh, I think we uh, saw that across the so country. Do, yes, I think so. Um, timing is so key. Uh, you, you've been off, obviously, and then of course when you have that much disrupted, it, it throws everything off. So I, I'm mildly concerned. I'd say I'm a four or five on the Georgia offense concern scale. I think they'll be fine. I don't know that I'd be floored if they don't take the leap that people expect. But here's I talked about this in our roundtable uh, last week. But here's here's what concerns me with Georgia is. The reason why Alabama is in a class of their own is because they don't have bad games. When's the last time you could say Alabama just just came out flat? They they don't. They just destroy everyone. Ole Miss. Georgia, yeah, legitimately. Georgia plays with food a little bit. Yeah, um, they did it last year. Georgia doesn't do the same thing. But but I, but they, I will they tell aren't you, David, quite as just every single and, and week. We've only got one data point right now. But if Georgia's defense plays every game the way they played. Saturday night's game against Clemson. Ten points is going to win. Georgia, <laughs> Georgia is going to be twelve and zero going to the SEC championship, and they are yes. going to make the playoff yes. regardless of what happens in the SEC championship game. I think. I agree I, with you. I that agree that's you. that's one of the most dominant. Uh, okay, I'm trying to think. I don't want to get too hyperbolic here, but I'm probably going to. I will argue that that is the most dominant defensive performance we have seen. Since post Nick Saban basically changing everything for college football and deciding, you know what, I'm going to go with this kind of offense too. Like, defenses have just not been able to dominate good teams like that. When's the last time you saw a superpower team get held to three points? Yeah, I, I think, yeah, I, I think that the Ohio State Clemson playoff game jumps out. Um, 2016. I think this Clemson. 2016, hmm? not the one last. Yeah, like last year. Yeah, that's last true. year that Ohio State bombed Clemson in the in the Sugar Bowl, but Clemson still scored points. Yeah, but I'm saying I I think it's uh it's different because this Clemson offense is a lot better than that Kelly Bryant offense. Yes, yeah. D- I mean, we saw um, DJ throw. For, this is another animal. Yeah, we saw DJ throw for 400 against Notre Dame last year. They they lost that game, but yeah. it was an overtime game. That was a playoff team. I don't. I think you're probably right. I don't think there's one that jumps out. Um, you know, both defenses brought it. Um, it's it's amazing that a defensive scorer decided that ball game, but Georgia was the better team. In well, that and, and, and that's what the Bryce that. Young, and that's where he, I think, becomes very interesting. You know, because he, he might be able to move around enough to keep from getting just obliterated by Georgia's defense, but we're getting way ahead of ourselves. Elsewhere in the SEC East, Andy... Uh, 
I think as the saying goes, uh, the best laid plans of mice and men go perfectly. Um, Will Levis uh, and Kentucky, they bring in new quarterback, obviously Will Levis. You add Wondell Robinson from Nebraska. And the biggest piece, Liam Cohen from the Los Angeles Rams to modernize Kentucky's offense. Uh, they struggled to start early on with Levis. I think it was his first pass attempt. Maybe it was a second. Uh, tip ball over the middle. Gets picked off. Monroe runs on the field, scores. They go up 7-0, their first lead since 2019. I'm thinking, ah. But he and Wanda Robinson are an incredible duo. Uh, you know, again, it's amazing that you can bring in Liam Cohen. You bring in a transfer quarterback. You bring in Robinson, and, and there you go. You know, Monroe is a very bad team. But he looked incredible, and more than a few SEC teams played bad teams yesterday, Andy, and they didn't have a quarterback for over 367 and four touchdowns. Uh, I, I'm, I was very high on Kentucky coming into this season, and I am still pretty high on how that deal, how that offense looked. I think Kentucky is going to be a factor in that, in, and they're going to be a problem for teams. Well, I mean, let's, let's just think about Kentucky. They ran the ball really well last year when defenses knew they could not possibly throw. So that tells you they've got a mm-hmm. good offensive line. And that tells you that Chris Rodriguez is a hell of a tailback. So you add a not not just a functional, but probably a very good passing game on top of that. Above average, yeah. top thirty. Yeah, above SEC above right average. That's that's a good way of putting it. Above average, and and we'll mm-hmm. see because they're playing Missouri this week. So that's a pecking order game. We'll we'll see where everybody falls after this. But I feel like think about this. That makes it easier to run. It makes it easier on the defense because they're not running back out after a quick three and out. There's so much that Kentucky improved upon by improving that facet of the offense that it makes it I, – I, the degree of difficulty for beating Kentucky goes up significantly more than the sum, sum of what they add, the parts they added. Well, like, if they get down 10 nothing in a game this year – It's not over. Yeah, I don't think it's not, it's not it's not that big of a deal. I think they still got a shot. Last year it was like, well, you better hope it doesn't become seventeen nothing because then this is really over and you're going to be in real trouble. I'm just I'm Kentucky is the most fascinating team to me. I think really in in the entire conference because this is just something we have not seen before. Uh, I think yesterday on Twitter I compared it to Happy Gilmore learning how to putt. Like it's very <laughs> like. I'm just excited to see what their potential is because they've been a really good team for a while, a team that you just didn't really want to play. You knew you had to, to buckle your chin strap when you played Kentucky, and now adding this dynamic offense, uh, you know, again, we'll see how many teams they can do this against. Again, Monroe is a really poor judge, but Levisman was hitting some deep balls that uh, he just looked really, really, really good. I'm excited. I, if I'm a Kentucky fan, I am over the moon, and I feel really good going to that Missouri Yeah, game. and I was going to say, are Penn State fans upset that they let Will Levis go? I, Sean Clifford hit some deep balls, too, for the Nittany Lions, but Will Levis looked really good. When you beat Wisconsin on the road, you can get yeah, it. Yeah, we'll I see. Ask him again in yeah, October. I, I, I'm hoping <laughs> this becomes like a Dwayne Haskins, Joe Burrow situation where everybody winds up happy and, and yeah. good. And you know, I'm not talking about Haskins' NFL career, but he did set Big Ten records and, and become a first-round pick, and so every everybody mm-hmm. looked okay coming out of that decision. So we'll we'll see if that happens. But no, I, I the the fun Kentucky offense really does change the dynamics. Now we will find out this week what that means mm-hmm. because Missouri didn't look great against a Jim McElweenless Central Michigan. 
but the defense held and and it looks like they're they're, they're going to be okay but again we don't know much from that either we will know a lot more after that game in lexington this week yeah and week one teams lie to you all the time 100 oh, uh, teams that it's it's every single year uh another guy partying this week andy i asked the inimitable uh josh kendall for the correct pronunciation it is mr zebuliah noland not a biblical name. Zebuliah? Named for a mountain That's man. That's like Tathan. Zebuliah. Because like Zebulon. Yeah, it is like Tathan. See, here's the thing. I I had an Uncle Zeke. Like, I've known people named Zeb, which is short for Zebulon. I have not. Like, Zeke is short for Ezekiel. Zeb is short for Zebulon. I just assumed it was short for Zebulon. Zebuliah? Is Zebulon a common name? I've never heard this in my Zebulon life. Zebulon is not a common name, but it is a biblical name. It is... People are named Zebulon. Like Pike's Peak, the the mountain peak in Colorado. Yes. Named after Zebulon yes. Pike. There you go. So okay. Well, Zebulon Zebuliah, not a biblical name. That's like Tathan. Uh, that is like the the biblical version of Tathan. <laughs> yeah. Uh anyway, Zebuliah named for a and I quote. A mountain man my dad knew. Um, now, that's a story we need to, to dig so into. So, mountain man's like. mom and dad um, probably meant to name him Zebulon. <laughs> and just got it wrong. Could Mixed up Jebediah and Zebulon, and that's how you get Zebuliah. You might be right. I think I'm curious on what the conversation, like... I guess I, I guess I need to know more about the relationship between his dad and this said mountain man. Was this like an ayahuasca-filled dream that he dreamed him up? Were they like lifelong friends? Was this someone that he ran into on a trail? I have a lot of questions. Either way, what I don't have a lot of questions for is he had a great Saturday. We'll see what the future of the South Carolina quarterback position is. I, I feel very strongly it's probably still Luke Doty's job when he gets back, but he gets on the field, Zeb Uliah, four touchdowns against uh, an overmatched Eastern Illinois team, but what a story, what an experience, and I will say, like Shane Beamer said last week, it's important to note that it's not like he had been off the field for two or three years. He played games this spring at North Dakota State, started seven games, so he's actually played more recently than any other guy on his roster but the GA to starting quarterback move is something that I have never seen and I'm not sure we may ever see again so I tip my cap to Mr. Zebulia Noland Uh, there's very little more you can say Uh, quarterbacks from the state of South Carolina starting in the state of South Carolina starting in the state within the state lines yesterday just kicked ass between yeah. between the yeah. game in Columbia, South Carolina, and the game in Clinton, South Carolina, not not very far apart. We're only talking about forty <laughs> minutes apart. Uh, Fourteen touchdown passes thrown by the the two starting quarterbacks. <laughs> Mr. Kevin Kelly, uh, the great he's an Arkan, he's an Arkansan uh, legend to say the least. I was talking to some folks about him not a few not but a few weeks ago. Very excited to see what he does at Presbyterian Big Pig. They don't play a FBS team this year, Andy. I was very sad. They usually play like Wake. Or yeah, they've somebody. gone. We're they've not gone non-scholarship, so you're never going to get to see that again. They're they're in, they're in the Pioneer League now, so they're sad. they're playing Stetson. They're playing Drake. They're playing Butler. You're you're not going to see that anymore. I imagine there's a lot of guys named Zebuli in the Pioneer League. Maybe I'm just because <laughs> they're just pioneers. Hoping. Yeah. <laughs> no, you, you're not going to see Kevin Kelly. Unless Kevin Kelly gets another job, 
you're not going to see him against an FBS team. I like his odds of getting another job, I got to say. Speaking of jobs, Andy, there's some antacid to go around across the conference this week. Oh, we got to start with Coach O. Um, You know, he won the national championship, and people, people still... We're not all in on Coach O. He still had to deal with the detractors. And after going out to the Rose Bowl and losing, I don't think he did much to shed the Gene Chizik comparisons. Two things on this not great debut. One, I actually think UCLA might be really good. I got to say, I, I, I'm not as high on LSU as you are, but I think LSU is oh, really good. Oh, I'm not really. high on LSU anymore. I, they're making me eat a banana peel and all. They're pretty much dead to me, David. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I, I I wrote last night. I, I'm not going to be shocked if we see UCLA make a serious run at a Pac-12 title. Um, LSU's a good team, but when you start in the top 15, you're coming off a five and five season, and you overhaul the coaching staff. Seven and five, eight and four is not going to do it at LSU. And you look at their schedule; they still have Florida. They go to Ole Miss. They go to Alabama. The Aggies to close. They're going to be underdogs in at least three of those. That's a lot of losable games, and then of course you're in the SEC. You know you're playing, you know Mississippi State. Can you can lose to them in theory? It's not good. What do you make of Orgeron's situation? Well, they just need to get better, and and we'll see if they can. We'll see if the, these coaches that they've hired can pull them out of the spin here. Defensively, they mm-hmm. they just need to play their assignments better. I mean, they were getting killed on crossers yesterday. It's not it's not complicated. They they just need to be better. Uh, they need to communicate more. They need to tackle better. And then offensively, the offensive line needs to generate a push against athletes that aren't as good as them. And they just need to get up and snap the ball. And that's on coaching. That's not just on the players. Like, they're, they're looking to the sideline. They're, getting, they're making adjustments till about three seconds left on the play clock. When you are the physically superior team, just get up and snap the ball. And then keep getting up there and snapping the ball. Because eventually, you're going to hit something short and confidence building and Kayshawn Boutte or somebody like that is going to break a tackle and turn it into a huge play and then go get up and snap the ball. Like they, mm-hmm. they were, they were looking back, looking around, giving UCLA time to stem and, and change looks and, and freak out Max Johnson, snap the ball. Well, here's my question. I agree with you on paper that LSU is the physically dominant team, but they didn't look like it when I watched the game. Because they're playing slow. I mean, how much of a concern that, is that? That's that's yeah. what the, that's the problem. They're playing now. It's more of a concern on defense because that's they were getting right, pushed that, around. That's a, a different story. But offensively, they they were playing slow and tentative. And when you play slow and tentative, you can't be as good as you are physically. So. St- just stop playing. They were getting slow. a lot of blitz packages. Don't overcomplicate and, and it. Max you know, and I realize they, uh, UCLA is throwing the kitchen sink at them. Do you know what stops teams from throwing the kitchen sink at you? Tempo. So go mm-hmm. faster. And they have the capability of it. They're they're not they're not huddling. So they don't need you. Don't need to get them in the perfect play every time. You have better athletes. It doesn't have to be perfect. Mm-hmm. I think I'm with you. I, I uh, here's here's where it's interesting, Andy. Uh, certainly had some some conversations last night. Jimbo Fisher, Texas A&M owes him a lot of money, fully guaranteed. But are you and our listeners aware of how much Jimbo Fisher owes Texas A&M if he leaves tomorrow? Zero dollars. 
Zero dollars is the correct answer. Ding, 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 ding. Uh, that's a ways down the pipe. But I'm I'm a little nervous if I'm an Aggie. I I'm not. I don't like Jimbo, I, for the Aggies. If I'm Jimbo Fisher, I'm not leaving for LSU. If LSU ends up firing Ed Orgeron, whenever that is, this close to a national title, I'm not touching that if I'm Jimbo Fisher. Well, here's the here's devil's advocate here. I, I think I agree with you. Just big picture. I think if I'm Jimbo, I'm probably not leaving either. Oil money is good. But he had a recruiting advantage. He was the only team in mm-hmm. Texas. There's about to be some other Texas team coming in, the Longhorns. You lose that edge in recruiting. If you're at LSU, it's a little different. Eh. Does that matter Not to, to me. Because if okay. I'm better, I'm going to go into Louisiana and get those kids anyway. Well, but they don't grow up going. They don't grow up wearing A and M stuff in, in 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 New Orleans, Andy. Yeah, and all those all those Louisiana players that have helped Alabama the last ten years didn't grow up rooting for Alabama either. That's fair, but Texas A and M's not Alabama yet. They haven't won anything yet. Okay, well, uh, eventually so Nick we'll Saban's I, not going to be the coach at Alabama anymore. Debatable. <laughs> you can't you can't prove to me he's not immortal. Andy. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Maybe his head in a jar just coaching. <laughs> But yes, but that's the thing. I, 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 if I'm Jimbo Fisher, I stay right where I am because you can get the right circumstances together to win national titles at A&M. It doesn't matter that Texas is coming into the league. It really doesn't. Because what, that assumes that Texas is going to figure out how to get it right. And that's a big assumption. Well, but they don't have to get it right to take a bite of your pie. That's, that's the concern it's if a I'm a big old state. And, and Jimbo has done the thing that other coaches at Texas A&M didn't do. And that is, I'm not going to take every player from Texas. Like, the, the assumption at Texas and at A&M, and this has changed in both places, was that you had to take everybody you could from Texas, and if all things were equal, you take the Texas player. It's not that way anymore. They're just going to go get the best players they mm-hmm. can get. Yeah. I, I think, you know, gun to my head... If if this goes sideways for Orgeron down the line, I think Billy Napier is the guy. I would think so. And um, and look, I don't. I'm not. It seems it seems so obvious. I'm not completely bailing on Ed Orgeron yet. I, I'm not ready to mm-hmm. do that. I just think that they need to figure this out. If they don't figure it out this year, then yeah, you need to ask some ser- some very serious questions because mm-hmm. there's just no excuse for this. You're better mm-hmm. than UCLA, like. You should not be getting pushed around and beat like I can understand if you get beaten. Like if they if they hit a couple, you know, kind of fluky plays and they beat you by one. Right. UCLA straight up whipped them. There's no excuse for that at LSU. None. Well, a lot of antacid to go around uh, after a pretty spicy uh, bowl of gumbo coming back from from LA uh, for the Tigers. Andy, down in your neck of the woods, we—you've been higher on Emory Jones than I have been this offseason. I kind of said I needed to see more after the game. Dan Mullen said Emory Jones is our quarterback, but I liked a lot of what I saw from Anthony yeah. Richardson. So did the crowd at the swamp. Oh, there are the, the, some, the, some the concerning fan base, interceptions. The fan base is is in. <laughs> the fan base is ready for the Anthony Richardson era to start now. Yes, Cam two Listen, uh, Richardson popped. The hurdle he had was incredible. The 75-yard touchdown run was – I mean, he's He fast. stole it's someone's like, soul with a stiff read. arm as it's well. like, okay, 
Yeah, yeah. Listen, those are some highlight plays. This Ford Atlantic. How, how much? If you're Dan Mullen, what are you doing? This you week? are giving them probably equal snaps with the first team, and playing them equal snaps against USF because you're going to win that game, and just whoever's better, that's who you start against Alabama. I make. I, I, I'm serious. Give give them both a chance, and then pick the one who gives you the chance to beat Alabama. I liked what I saw from Anthony Richardson. We haven't seen a ton from him. That was the first time I'd really seen him play uh, in that, that second half or fourth quarter. Yeah. He played very yeah very little last year. And, and what's interesting is he's a, he's a hometown guy. You know, Eastside High School. Mm-hmm. Gainesville hasn't had that since, since Doug Johnson's the last Gainesville quarterback to, to start at Florida that I, can, that I can recall. And, you know, there's something about being the hometown guy and the pressure that, that comes with that. But yeah, this, is, this guy looks really good. And, you know, Emory, we'll, we'll see what he does because he's going to get another shot. This is not over. He's going to start against USF. He may just have a great game, and, and it's just like who's really struggling. okay. Yeah, yeah. The 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 interception in the end zone is is where I think everybody sort of it raised the red flag. Like, okay, you're going to stare this guy down, and then and then throw it right at the DB, like in in the red zone. Don't do that. So we'll see. It's a first start. It may get better next week, or it might not. Anthony Richardson may come in. Here's the thing. We don't know about Anthony Richardson as a passer. It may be that he's not, not entirely accurate or, or you know, not, not exactly what you want yet. In which case, that's fine. You keep starting Anthony, uh, Emory Jones, and then you do, you do the Chris Leak, Tim Tebow thing with them. I mean, mm-hmm. listen. Anthony Richardson is, is going to be a weapon in the run game, whether he's the starting quarterback or not. <clears throat> Big old dude. Yeah. I mean, six four. You try to tackle that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think it's. Uh, I'm fascinated to see how this plays out. I mean, ultimately, I think you can win ball games with both of those guys. It's a. It's it's a. It's 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 a but decent can, problem. Can to you have. beat I'm not Alabama? Sure either one of those can, guys yeah. can come close to yeah. beating. Can you Alabama. beat Alabama? Can you beat Georgia? Because you've got to do that. If you lose to Alabama, then Georgia becomes an absolute must win, which it probably was anyway, because Georgia's schedule makes mm-hmm. it that way. But Mm-hmm. You have no margin for error whatsoever if you can't beat Alabama. And then, look, nothing we've seen suggests that Florida will be able to. But if that guy is special, either one of those guys, that's what elevates you when you don't have the number of five stars they have. That's the yep. difference. It's, it's, a, it's not the same, but it's a little bit like the Kelly Bryant-Trevor Lawrence situation. Oh, it's that very If you feel similar. like this guy's upside is huge, and they're not that different right now, yep. but you feel like the upside with the younger guy is there, you've you, you got to make that decision. And that was a really tough decision for Dabo, yep. and it cost him a really good quarterback. Well, Emory's Emer- already redshirted. I don't redshirted. think anybody in retrospect would say it was the Emory's wrong Emory's already redshirted, but with the blanket eligibility waiver from last season – he would have two more years to play. And mm-hmm. no one would... I don't think anybody would begrudge him anything if he decided he wanted to go somewhere else if he didn't win the starting job. But the thing is, he doesn't have to go anywhere else. Because it's not like Kelly Bryant, where Kelly Bryant didn't redshirt and needed to, to preserve that other year or he doesn't get to play any more college football. So if, mm-hmm. if you make a change, it doesn't really change anything 
Like Emory Jones does not have to leave if they make a change. You still have him as the backup if you need him. And yeah. so I that's the difference in the dynamics there. Because when when the Trevor Lawrence thing happened, Kelly Bryant hadn't redshirted. That was the first year of the four-game redshirt rule. Kelly had to stop playing right then if he wanted to play another year of college football. Uh, Emory Jones will have two years after this year. He cannot redshirt this season because he's already redshirted. So it doesn't matter whether he stays or goes at this point. So, mm-hmm. it, but, it, but the, the, the other piece of that is it gives Dan Mullen a lot more freedom. He doesn't have to, to politicize this thing. All he has to do is make the decision for who he thinks is the best quarterback to lead the offense. I just don't know if you can make that decision week to week, though. You, you, you have to go down one well, road. Well, yes, and I think you, you have, but and, and you have the you perfect the opponent this coming week to take a look. Because you're not going to lose the game. Yeah, that's true. Like, they're bad. That's true. So you're not going to lose that game. So give the guys a chance. And after the game, you know, week, week, we're recording this on a Sunday. A week from now, you decide who, the, who you think gives you the best chance to beat Alabama. And that's who you roll with. I think I'm with you. We'll see. It's going to be an interesting week in Gainesville. Uh, Andy, <clears throat> there was an SEC chant in Nashville uh, on Saturday <laughs> night. The problem was it was inside the East Tennessee State locker room. Uh, basically a nightmare for Clark Lee's debut. Uh, no SEC team had lost to an FCS opponent since South Carolina lost to Citadel in 2015. Vanderbilt, they didn't do much of anything well. They provided the biggest blooper of the weekend, at least across the SEC. The ball slips out of Ken Seal's hand, trying to throw a pass. Boys from uh, Etsu run it back for a touchdown to basically steal the game. Losing by 20 is bad. Outscoring, you know, getting, scoring three points. There's basically nothing positive, positive to take away from this. Outrushed 179 to 85 against East Tennessee State. Their only points, a 53-yard kick. They didn't have a turnover until the fourth quarter, Andy. They just got beat yeah. by an FCS team, and not a particularly good one. I, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I, after last year of Andy, I, again, Clark Lee, kind of similar to Josh Heupel, and then it feels like a, a year zero in Nashville. But this is something we just have not seen in the conference in a while, and n- not not really uh, inspiring a whole lot of confidence. What did you make of the Commodores debut? Well, that's that's the part we've got to figure out is they will try to lay this at the feet of Derek Mason and maybe they maybe they'd be right. Maybe there's nobody maybe. on the roster who who can even compete with East Tennessee State. But they will have to prove that they can stock the roster. Or and this was, this was actually a problem when Mason got the job, too. Mason was coming off being a defensive coordinator in a very successful program, Stanford. And, and you remember, they were a mess early on in his first year as he trying to, uh, kind of learned how to be a head coach. Mm-hmm. Maybe Clark Lee doesn't know how to be a head coach yet. Maybe there's, there's a lot of... Wouldn't be the first yeah, one. Maybe there's a lot of that, that just the s- stuff of making all the decisions that isn't natural to him. And he's got to figure that out. But the good news is, it's Vandy. It is your zero, like you said. If you want to do the... Uh, I'll, I'll give them some free PR advice, since I, I think they let go of a lot of their PR staff this offseason. You do, you do blame Derek Mason for this now. Whether that's true or not, mm-hmm. you blame him and say... Well, but how do you do that without... 
without seeming like you're making excuses. Well, you're making excuses. Doesn't it is matter. an excuse. <laughs> you just lost to East Tennessee State, yeah, and they fair. look better. Like, it wasn't fluky. Yeah. Like, you, yeah. you make all the excuses you can because what, what happens is Clark Lee needs to be able to go into a bunch of living rooms and say, we need, he needs to more artfully say what Charlie Weiss said at Kansas. Pile of crap. There's a much yeah. more artful yeah. way to say that. But basically, you yeah. can start for us tomorrow. It, can you do what the kid who's going to that quarterback who's going to Rutgers? Can you do that? Can you leave now and come play next week? We could use you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a rough one. Uh, on the antacid list this week, Andy, we do have a winner. Mike Leach did not lose. Uh, he got a little bailed out because Louisiana Tech, who apparently doesn't watch college football, I guess, played for a 46-yard kick that it might have been blocked. It came up really short. It was kind of a knuckler. But they're down 20. They score on three, pay- three, three straight possessions to win by a point. Louisiana Tech should be a decent team, uh, but this is. I'm gonna I'm gonna go silver lining on you, Andy. Mm-hmm. Um, are you okay with oh. that? Off a, off a one point come from behind ready. win over uh, Louisiana Tech. I'm ready Tech. for it. This is maybe something that can inspire some belief the next time you get down. I think there is value in winning a game like this. Again, Louisiana Tech is not a terrible team. I don't think yet. It's a concerning result. Well, he- but waking up Sunday 1-0 is better than 0-1 in all circumstances. And I think the next time you get down 10 points in the fourth quarter, you can remember, hey, we felt like this before and we won this game. And belief is a powerful thing. Yeah. I do think that's true. Uh, so not a good Saturday for Mississippi State. But you're 1-0, and I think it can help you in the long run, even if big picture it's very concerning. Am I, am I drinking too much? Of no, no, you're fine. You're fine. Because though? unlike LSU last year, Louisiana Tech defended Mississippi State properly. You know, they, they, mm-hmm. they defended them the way you should defend an air raid team. And Will Rogers still threw for what, 350, 370? 370 on, on 47 mm-hmm. attempts. Now, that's, a, that's not Fair. a great yards per attempt. But, but here's the thing he looked very poised, very comfortable in the offense. They didn't panic. Those three drives were fantastic. So that is something to build mm-hmm. on. And you know, I'm a little disappointed in, in, in a defense that I thought was going to be a lot better. I thought their defense would be fairly good. And uh, that was Austin Kendall, by the way, uh, former Oklahoma, former West Virginia and quarterback. West Virginia. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I, I expected better out of Mississippi State's defense. And, and so that's that's the part where I think that, that concerns me more as they go. I thought their defense was They're going really up against an year. NC State mm-hmm. team that's pretty good. Now, NC State has a bad habit mm-hmm. of, of getting out coached when, when the talent is equal. Or, or even less. I mean, like Dave Clawson at Wake Forest, there, there's a reason that game is a nightmare for NC State every year, win or lose. Like, he's a better coach. And so that's where we'll, we'll see where what Leach can do here because NC State on paper looks like the better team in this game. And so mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. the challenge gets considerably tougher for Mississippi State. And so I want to see that defense rise to the occasion because – that was supposed to be the strength of this team. You know, you got two good corners. Yeah, the defense far more uh, concerning Cr- than the offense. Cromedy at the nose is a, is a really solid interior defensive lineman. Uh, they, they had to replace most of their pass rush, so they've got to get that figured out. But they, they're going to tell us a lot this week. We'll, we'll learn a lot about Mississippi State this week because if they play the way they did against Louisiana Tech for the first three quarters, they will lose this game by 30. 
Mm-hmm. I'm with you. Across the state, Andy, the finale of week one in the SEC. Our other friend who needs some ass. I felt bad for him. Lane Kiffin, Ole Miss coach, of course. The Rebs play tonight. Their team, the only team in the conference, is 100% vaccinated, and he gets a breakthrough case. You spend so much time, you invest so much time in this team and building up for this moment, and then you can't actually participate in it. I feel really bad for him. And for whatever it's worth, Jeff Levy will be calling plays. Lane Kiffin gave up calling plays before last season, so... In terms of the game day operations, it doesn't change a ton. Not having your head coach is a big deal there. I don't think they've named an interim, have they, Andy? Did I miss this? I could have missed it. I don't think so. And, and well, with Levy and Durkin, or I guess I it's acting. Feel, it's not interim or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I think you feel pretty. Com- Maybe Durkin makes the the fourth, go for it on fourth down type decisions because he's been there before. Uh, but the, yeah, they they have that on the staff, so I, I don't I don't think that's an issue. But yeah, somebody has to make those big picture field goal or go for it but but it's interesting because their offense has so many rules in it about when to go for it in terms Mm -hmm. of down distance and field position that I don't think that's that's not actually much of a head coach decision like a gut decision by the head coach I think situations dictate it so much for them that they don't really need to assign somebody to do that yeah you're probably right um but again this game could have been wiped out. Matt Corral, I mean, last year, Matt Corral isn't playing in this game. He is now because he's vaccinated. And unless you show right. symptoms, you don't have to be tested or, right. and, or and, have, and, well, have your team be wiped out. Explain why. Explain why. Because they're in the quarterback meeting room. Those are close contacts. So mm-hmm. any unvaccinated person is knocked out because of a close contact. So that, I mean, and, and if Matt Corral is not playing in this game, then basically the thing ESPN wants, the, the game ESPN would like to show you doesn't happen. Because it's just not going to be the same thing. But And, and it would have been all court. Like John Rice Plumley would have had to come back and play quarterback, assuming he hadn't gotten near Lane Kiffin yeah. in, in a room for 15 Which minutes. Which at the head coach, you never really know who he's, who he's around. Like he's going to be all over the place. Yeah, because all of Obviously all Lane their quarterbacks would have been out. Yeah, literally all of them. You'd have a Kendall Hinton situation. Uh <laughs> well, yeah. The difference so is one of their old quarterbacks does play receiver for them. That's true. So you have, you know, again, for one, from the health aspect of it, getting vaccinated, it's great. It seems very, very unlikely he'll be, he'll be hurt. But from a competitive aspect, you don't have half your team wiped out. Um, so anyway, get vaccinated, everybody. It's good. Uh, it'll help you. Uh, I feel like that's as a good Nick, place. To as Nick Saban says, it's a competitive advantage. And it we is should all be in trying life to win. and in football. <laughs> Uh, that will do it for this week's football and grits. Andy, it's good to be back. We've got football. Oh, we've got games awesome. to talk about. Uh, I think this is the first show we've done since the end of last season where there's stuff we didn't talk about because there's a bajillion things happening. And your team, if you're, they do something a little more relevant next week, we'll, we'll get to it. <laughs> but it's nice. It's nice to, uh, it's nice to have that, too much. That middle is not a terrible place to be after week one. <laughs> Because the Vandy people yeah, are like, I wish LSU you hadn't talked about us. <laughs> yeah, I think LSU fans would have been fine if we hadn't talked much about them. Um, but uh, we did. And uh, I'm sure there's plenty of uh, of talk in, in Baton Rouge and New Orleans and the rest of the states. Uh, but we'll be here chronicling it all, whatever the rest of the season holds. Andy, I'm sure uh, everything you saw in week one was exactly what we all thought. And uh, there will be no uh, interest. And it'll be just like uh, this for 12 consecutive weeks. <laughs> Twists and turns in week two, that never happens. So thank you guys for listening. 
again, subscribe to the Andy Staples feed and get this show delivered directly to your uh, device. Every Monday, myself, David Ubbin, my co-host Andy Staples, talking the SEC. This has been Football and Grits. Thank you for listening. We'll see you guys again. What day next week, Andy? Maybe Monday. I think it's Monday. That's when we Best day of the SEC. week. Great day to get yeah. better. Exactly, exactly. Thank you, guys. We'll see you next week. Thank you.